Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Back and at it again. Uh, Free agency, I I wouldn't call it done. We still got players out there. But it's, you know, it it winds down. The second and third tier free agents, the older players, you you see the Justin Houstons of the world, you know, still around. There are going to be signings that happen in the next week or two that are going to have a big impact in the fall. But the big name and the big money guys are are off the table. There's actually a lot going on. I saw this weekend, Vegas has the Browns as the favorite to win the AFC North. I, I got some thoughts on that. There was a story from my colleague at The Athletic, Vic Tafer, who covers the Raiders, that the Oakland Raiders uh, won an award at the Sloan Conference, which is the conference run by Daryl Morey. It's like the analytical conference, that they have the best trade of the year, which I think is an absolute joke. And when I say the best trade of the year, it's not Amari for a one, the Khalil Mack trade. Like the Sloan Conference gave them credit for the Khalil Mack trade. Got some takes there. I don't remember free agency ever happening before where a team loses a couple key players and that incumbent quarterback on that team, reputation was more just, you know, destroyed in a short period of time as Ben Roethlisberger's has. Uh, We'll we'll talk about that. And then I I owe an apology to my my favorite coach of all time. I've been been reading The Millennial Way, a.k.a. audiobook, the Belichick book by Ian O'Connor, it's really good. If you like football and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. 
But if you just just like, you know, reading about the highest level human probably to ever come in to the NFL, it is a fantastic read. Slash, again, for me, listen. But it's it's a really good listen. I'm only at like the Cleveland Browns part. I haven't even got to the Patriots yet. It's really good. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, some of the stuff in there on him and Parcells was fantastic. So we'll talk about that. And then we'll get to the Middlecoff mailbag. Slide up in my DMs, at John Middlecoff on Instagram. Fire on in there. Same my Twitter account. Also got a YouTube channel, John Middlecoff. You can find me all over the internet. And uh, I'll, I'll be giving sports takes. But if you want your question answered for this podcast, you've got to go in my di- direct messages, Instagram, and ask me a question. I, I got a lot. I got some questions to answer uh, and we'll get to that a little later. Start with the Browns. I, I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, and it really kind of hammered at home when I saw a headline by Florio on Pro Football Talk that Vegas made the Browns the favorite to win the AFC North. And I said, Jesus, I mean, is it, should we pump the brakes a little bit? And then I started realizing, well, on paper, it's not that crazy, right? They add Odell Beckham Jr., they got rid of Hugh Jackson. They have this young quarterback that looks really good. The Steelers got worse. I mean, their, their two best players are now gone. Now, granted, one guy didn't play last year in, in Le'Veon, but that's a big loss for him. Antonio has been one of the best players in franchise history gone. The Ravens are going through a just a period of transition. You know, in Lamar Jackson, how can their offense kind of change and what will it look like with a full offseason and next year? And the Bengals are in shambles. So it's not that nuts. But then I started thinking, has there been a coach, a first-time head coach, in recent memory, with more tangible pressure on them to win now? Like, legitimately to win now. Matt Nagy, coach of the year last year. They didn't have that much pressure. If he would have gotten 8-8, it would have been a good year. Now, granted, he ended up winning the division and hosting a playoff game. You look at Gruden last year, there was a ton of hype, but it was more for his salary, not necessarily him. And then once he traded Khalil Mack, I don't want to say he got a pass, but people looked at the team a little differently. Like he was punting on the season, and it turns out he was. Well, the Browns have gone the opposite, right? They got Freddie Kitchen, first-time head coach, really was a first-time coordinator last year, and they already handed him a pretty good team, and then they added Odell Beckham Jr. So you're like... And they uh, traded for Olivier Vernon. Like they did some, they had some other sweet moves. Added Kareem Hunt. You're like these guys. These guys are wheeling and dealing. Their personnel on paper is fantastic. Their personnel on paper, 100% is a playoff team. But we know over and over that football is not played on paper. Now, I was a part of the quote-unquote dream team. The difference is the Browns have much more young, just ascending talent with Baker who's a really accurate quarterback. They have an elite slot receiver in Jarvis Landry. They have a really good running back in Nick Chubb. And Odell Beckham is a game changer. And the tight end, Najoku, is really good. And defensively, they have some pieces. But I would say anything less than Matt Nagy's first season, where he won the division and hosted a playoff game, would almost feel like a letdown for the Browns. It's crazy to say, but it feels like the Browns are a lock playoff team. And I think we usually can do that with certain coaches. But most time in the NFL, things sneak up on you. Harbaugh's first year. Matt Nagy's first year. Even when Andy Reid got to the Kansas City Chiefs, they were drafting one overall. The next year, they make the playoffs. I mean, that his first year, they made the playoffs. 
I don't think anyone quite saw that coming. But you usually know right away when you got a really good head coach. I think the pressure on Freddie Kitchens, who again, I'm rooting for, chubby bald guy, red rosy cheeks, quarterback at Alabama back in the early 90s, I want him to do well. But I don't think in recent memory, you just go all these new coaches, the just the the amount of pressure on this guy's shoulder to lead this team to the playoffs. He takes pressure away from Baker. He takes pressure away from Odell. To me, it's all on the head coach. The GM did everything he had to do. Now, I'm always someone who says that, like, we just talk about GMs with personnel. John Dorsey hired Freddie Kitchens. So if Freddie Kitchens fails, that is on John Dorsey. This is the first head coach he's ever hired. Because when he got when he became the general manager of Kansas City, Andy Reid hired John Dorsey. It wasn't the other way around. So this is, whether Freddie Kitchen fails or not, and I do think it'll be somewhat difficult for him to fail, but just to think that they're a locked playoff team, say what you want about the Steelers, every single year they're competitive. The Ravens do have a culture of just toughness, consistent on defense. John Harbaugh has accomplished more, hell, in one season than Freddie Kitchen has in a lifetime. So that they're going to jump those two teams, again, while easy on paper, is difficult in reality. But it shows you when you make these enormous moves and people think you have a young quarterback, they think you're a playoff lock, and we see it all the time. Like, I I thought the Raiders were going to be a playoff lock last year. This was before Khalil Mack was moved. And the reality was they wouldn't have been, uh, even if they would have kept Khalil Mack. Because, you know, it turns out John Gruden, there were, sometimes there's egos in front offices. Like, John Gruden was trying to have players fail so he could make Reggie McKenzie look bad. It, it was low-level stuff. The good thing is Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey are kind of tied at the hip. So John Dorsey's going to try to help him out, and he's going to try to help him out. But at the end of the day, can you scheme up, and can you on game day make moves that are better than John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin? And whoever else, whether you're playing Belichick, whether you're playing Andy Reid, whether you're playing the San Diego Chargers, the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, like can you out-scheme those guys? Monday through Saturday, and then on game day, make in-game adjustments. I don't know. I would just, history would show us, I'd probably bet against it. As crazy as that sounds, as much as I like them on paper, the chances that Freddie Kitchens at 42 has just been some under-the-radar diamond in the rough seems a little outrageous. Now, am I disputing that it's not possible? That, yeah, he just was kind of overlooked. You know, just a running back coach, quarterback coach. He should have gotten his chance. He was kind of got the short end of the stick, got screwed kind of. Yeah, it's possible. In this day and age with the media hype and with coaches, how fast the buzz grows, I would probably bet against that though. I I, I think the pressure on Freddie Kitchens year one is as immense as we've seen for any first-time head coach, you know, maybe ever. And again, if they do not make the playoffs this year, if they do not make the playoffs this year, it's not that crazy to think he, like he could be a one-and-done coach. Again, I'm not anti-Freddie Kitchens. I'm rooting for the guy. But, man, it just... The, the, the heat is on. Okay, uh, this story really stood out to me. And it... My, my friend, colleague at The Athletic in the Bay Area, he's the Raiders beat reporter for The Athletic San Francisco. He's covered the Raiders since I've been in the media in the Bay Area forever, uh, the big fella, Vic Tafer. He wrote an article where he got Daryl Morey on the phone, and Daryl, I guess they do a they do an award for the best trade of the year. 
and they awarded the best trade of the year to the Raiders for trading Khalil Mack and what they got back. And I I mean, I I had to read it twice, to be honest with you. And then I read Daryl's quote in the article that said, analytics analytics typically fly in the face of conventional wisdom pretty often. So like when everyone's hanging a left, they hang a right. They typically disagree with just conventional wisdom. But I, I don't think this is that complicated. Who won and who lost this trade. Now, I don't think we have a, a loser quite yet. But I, I think under zero circumstances can you give the Raiders a win right now. The Chicago Bears, essentially, as we sit here today, traded pick 23. Think about this. Odell Beckham just got traded for pick 17, which by far was the best asset in that trade. And the Giants are getting eviscerated. Absolutely destroyed. Their general manager is called a dumb shit every day. And they gave up 17 for Odell Beckham. Khalil Mack, every team in the league would rather have Khalil Mack than Odell Beckham. He's 100% durable. He doesn't miss games. He missed a couple this year. But for the most part, he's been very healthy. High character guy. Zero issues. None. And then this year, when he was on the Chicago Bears, he was an all-pro pro bowler. An elite player. Like, I got news for you. Like, them getting two first-rounders wasn't that crazy. If Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack were put on the trading block last year, both of them would have got that type package. Why? Because they're Hall of Fame-level players. The Chicago Bears, as we sit here right now, won the trade. The Raiders got picked 23. And then next year, the Bears are going to be good again. So they're going to get picked 24, 25. They also swapped second- and third-round picks. So if the Raiders go 6-10 and 10 this year, the Bears get their second-round pick. I, Jerry, Colin talks about this all the time, the Jerry's famous quote, and I, I've been thinking about it forever, ever since I heard it. You never get a premium without paying a premium. It's like in the Bay Area. When I bought my, the condo that I'm living in right now, I over the, the bid was at a number, I overbid it by $50,000. Actually, more. It was like $60,000. I was then in the final four. I didn't even get it. And there were places down the street for almost double the amount of money. A little less. Probably 30% more than what I paid. A nicer building. that was a really, really expensive. I, I couldn't even really afford it at the time. But I, I wanted to live there. And at the time, it was like, God, you're going to pay that much for a... It was a one-bedroom condo. I live in a two-bedroom condo. The two-bedroom condos there were almost double what I paid for my place. Well, I just Googled before I'm going on this little rant. That place is up like two hundred grand in the last, you know, 25 months. So y- you buy a premium, you pay a lot, you usually are, it's reciprocated. Like the Bears would do that trade a hundred times out of a hundred. I can't say the same for the Raiders. We're going to find out. Also, this notion... And Daryl Morey's big thing is like first round picks are valuable. Yeah, if you told me the Bears had gone five and eleven, and the Raiders had pick four, pick nine, and pick twenty seven, I'd go, yeah, pretty good trade. But I, I, I'm sorry, Khalil Mack. Every, multiple teams were offering multiple ones, and every team in the league was willing to pay him. That they won the trade, I, 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 I'm honestly kind of at a loss. I think under no circumstances, in no way, and Daryl was like. 
I had to tell the Raider guys, and they were like, are you giving me shit? No, I'm telling you the truth. You won this award. I, I think it's a joke, to be honest with you. Because I go, I go, hey, Daryl, would you train James Harden for five first-rounders? Let's say the equivalent in the NBA. He'd say, no. I'd say, of course not. You don't ever give up Hall of Fame players that are good humans and dominate. He took the Bears, and I know a lot of people with the Bears, uh, in the scouting department, know the head coach. They, was, they thought they were going to be solid before the Khalil Mack trade. I mean, they added Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack in the offseason. They added Nagy. They thought they were going to be, you know, 8-9 wins. He took them to 11-12 wins. Like, Khalil Mack is a difference maker. I watched him carry one of the worst defenses I've ever seen and make them respectable because he's a turnover machine and help the Raiders get in the playoffs a couple years ago. And again, he's as high character of a human as me personally in my short time being around the league ever been around. Like, you follow him on Instagram when everyone's out partying and clubbing? He's playing like tic-tac-toe with his trainer, shooting hoops with his brother. Like, I'm sorry, that's the guy you trade two first-round picks for. And if you are going to trade two first-round picks for him, they better be good first-round picks. Like, I, you know, the Amari trade, good on the Raiders. They weren't going to pay him. They got pick 27. Again, not ideal. Here's the other thing. What was the cost to acquire? You used the fifth overall pick on Khalil Mack. And now you're getting back the 23rd pick? And let's say next year's the 25th pick? Do the 23rd pick and the 25th pick, also when you have to swap your second round pick, equal the fifth overall pick? Like Amari was the fourth overall pick. You got back the 27th pick. Like I'm sorry, those aren't good trades. They're just not, not when those guys keep playing well. And they're ascending players. Their arrow's not neutral. It's not pointing down. They're pointed up. I, I, I hope Daryl Morey knows the Bears wouldn't trade Khalil Mack back to the Raiders for three first-round picks. It's, I, I'm a believer in analytics. They do matter. Th- this is the most asinine, dumb award in the history of awards. There's been a lot of dumb awards I, I think I've ever seen. It, it does not add up. Khalil Mack was an all-pro, and beside Aaron Donald, probably the best player in the league on defense. He was that good last year. And, they, and the Raiders won the trade? Their, their fourth overall pick is their fourth overall pick. The Bears gave them 23. And again, don't ever forget, the Raiders, while trading Khalil Mack in 2020, did a pick swap where they have to give up their second-round pick. That's insane. That would have been like... Gettleman including their next year's two to get like an extra three. It was stupid. It made no sense. It's still to this day, because first off, you never trade a high-character ass kicker You do, in the prime of his career. Not when the salary cap is rising at enormous levels. You you don't do it. Uh, you just don't make that trade. And, and you never give up an, an extra asset in that trade, even if it is a pick swap. It was laughable at the time. Not as bad now. But still, the the Raiders by no means won the trade and should be handed an award for the trade. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. 
I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. One thing since last year my dad passed away, and I, I... you know, the, there was a line, or just a line, that you never really truly become a man uh, until you become the man in your family and your dad dies. And, and there is some, you know, validity to me to that statement. But I, I also think you just spend more time, you know, thinking about the way you treat people, just the basic things he taught you. You know, am I living up to that standard? And, you know, the name that you have is from him. You know, it, it, do people that interact with me, that, you know, not professionally necessarily, but that too, but just in any walk of life, you just do things the right way. And your reputation in life does matter. Now, people can make up things about you, but for the most part, like, if your reputation is solid or is bad, that's going to get around. Like, you can't really hide it. You know, you can't, you are who you are. And one thing has been pretty clear over this last week, 
that the reputation with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell leaving, despite Antonio Brown's craziness and Le'Veon Bell making a terrible business decision, their reputations haven't really changed much. But the one guy's reputation, and it's always been a little sketchy. You know, I think in league circles, known as a drama queen. Not faking injuries, because he is tough. But just kind of making them a little more than what they actually are in Roethlisberger. But the reputation of, he might not be a great guy. And we have some evidence, right? The thing that happened in Tahoe years ago. Some of the weird stuff over the year was Todd Haley. Then there was a story this weekend that Big Ben intentionally fumbled out of spite because he wanted to kneel and Haley called a run with a minute left, up 10. And the video, I wouldn't say he didn't fumble on purpose, but it's hard to say that he did fumble. You know, it's just, you can go either way. One thing's pretty clear, though, is Ben's not the best guy. And he's not the easiest guy to deal with. When you look at the NFL and quarterbacks, like say what you want about Rodgers. He's kind of an intellectual elitist. But I don't think people say he's a bad human. Like, Peyton Manning was really hard on teammates, but everyone respected him. One, because he was Peyton Manning, and two, just how hard he worked. Uh, Just, it was hard being him. You know, he took all the bullets. Like, Roethlisberger points the finger. Does anyone in life, whatever business you work in, any office environment, hate more than a finger pointer? A guy, especially at the top of the food chain, that refuses to take responsibility for his actions? Ben's the worst, probably in my lifetime of covering sports and just being around sports. By far the worst. It is never his fault. Ever. And AB is really the first guy that's like, this is kind of bullshit. You know, I now, is AB perfect in this? No. But did he have a point like, why can Big Ben just blame me for running the wrong route when he threw it to the defensive lineman? Why can Big Ben just blame other people, blame the coach when it was his fault? Never takes any responsibility. Like, for all the people that, you know, have been trying to act like Le'Veon and Bell, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown got ruined over this last, you know, little bit, like their reputations got hit, I think no one, and I don't even think it's close, I I don't remember a quarterback taking a bigger reputation hit than Big Ben over this last week. I think if you ask the common guy, yeah, he's a good player, but God, he's kind of a slap. I I wouldn't want to play with him. Now, on the, if you look at it like the perfect players, like Brady. Every teammate loves him. All the guys like him, young and old. Takes all the responsibility. The ultimate player you'd want. It kind of feels like Roethlisberger's the opposite. The Steelers chose Le'Veon and Antonio over him too. Big Ben's going to be 37. He's going into a contract year. Like, is this really the guy that you want to build it all around? You know, I, I mean, you have before, and it worked, and you've had a lot of success, but is it over now? Like, now do the young guys, Juju tweeted about how much he liked and respected Antonio, that they know this is all BS? You can only do the Bobby Knight, do as I say, not as I do, for so long, until you're not, the when you're a player, and the quarterback, and you're not that as talented as you once were, and people are going, I, I'm not listening to this guy anymore. This guy's a clown. And I think for the first time you saw Antonio Brown, who I wouldn't say was on an equal playing field, because at the end of the day, Big Ben's a quarterback, but was as close to an equal as you're going to have. I mean, he was the best wide receiver in the league for like six years. Said, this is bullshit. This is just wrong. This guy's mentality is like, it's 52 of us and him. 
And again, I think you could pull that off if you were Tom Brady, but Tom Brady doesn't even attempt to do that. I think Big Ben's reputation, I wouldn't say ruined, because you could argue his reputation's never been that great, but it is not in a good place right now. And I think the Steelers need to be awfully careful. They've drafted two young quarterbacks. Remember last year when they drafted Mason Rudolph? And Mason's like, I can't wait to get around him. And then the next day, like Big Ben said on his radio show, like, I'm not going to help him. It's just kind of an asshole comment. It, 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 I might not have set that up perfectly verbatim, but then Big Ben kind of walked it back. I mean, it was just kind of a dick move. Just kind of unnecessary. Like, Ben, you had Antonio Brown. Why, why didn't you try to figure out a way to get it done? Now, the Le'Veon thing was more money, but it's always something with Big Ben. And I, I've been a big fan of his as a player. I, I really enjoyed watching him over the years. There's nothing like when he was a, a younger player and he was on, just because his ability to break tackles, keep plays alive, make unreal throws. He's won two Super Bowls as a starting quarterback. Been to another. His resume's fantastic. Like five or six-time Pro Bowler. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame one day. But one thing's clear, you know, as, as time's gone on, that, you know, he's just... The Steelers went all in on a guy that's not really the best guy. Usually quarterbacks, you know, I was around Michael Vick. He wasn't, he had his flaws as a player, but everyone loved him. The whole team liked him. You know, I I see it with the Raiders. Like, most guys like Derek Carr. Like, when Kaepernick was really humming, and even Alex Smith, guys liked them. Now, toward the end, people didn't like Kaepernick as much. But people really liked Alex Smith. Being liked by your teammates when you're the main guy is pretty important when you play quarterback. Does it matter if you play safety or guard? No. But when you're the quarterback, people say, well, you're only leading the offense. No, you're kind of leading the team. You know, the team, the coach, they're, they're dependent on you. It's like when Brett Veach was asked at the combine, you know, people, of course, Twitter was trying to make a big deal about him saying that Patrick Mahomes playing basketball, that he had to nip that in the bud. He, he's kind of being serious, but he's also, he said it on NFL Network at the combine, like, hey, Patrick, the entire this entire building, players, coaches, their families are now depending on you. We're all in this on you. So we need you to play well, make right decisions, treat people the right way. Your reputation when you're in that situation to me does kind of matter. And even if you are a bad guy in the peak of your powers, you can get away with it. But the older you get, and Big Ben's not getting any younger, and he's not. He really, he's been kind of hit or miss these last couple years. Now his hit is still really good, but he's got to be careful. And he's not going to change. I mean, he is what he is at this point as a human. But man, I, as someone that's always been a big fan of him, I, I kind of question myself, like, is he a great guy? Is he someone that I'd want to be associated with? Like, I don't know. And I've always kind of defended him, but I, I'm starting to think twice that maybe he's the one that should have been getting eviscerated the last six months and not Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. I owe a quick apology. Uh, Apology might be strong, but I I had some fun last podcast at the expense of the hoodie. And the hoodie has been in Barbados with uh, Cougar Linda, his girlfriend. They've been having a good time. And one just topic I did last week was pretty telling that free agency is happening. The hoodie has multiple big free agents in Trey Flowers and Trent Brown. And he went on vacation. Pretty nuts. You know, pretty crazy. And you know what it turns out? I was reading Peter King's article. It's not called MMQB anymore. It's like Football Morning in America or something on NBC. And he had a lot of Drew Rosen. He talked to, Peter talked to Drew Rosenhaus about just the movement of Antonio Brown and Trent Brown. 
And Rosenhaus had a pretty telling quote in there. He basically just said, don't let the pictures fool you. Belichick and I had a conversation about Trent Brown on like Tuesday morning at 4.30 in the morning when he was in Barbados or whatever. And it got me thinking. You, you are not Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick eats, breathes, and sleeps football. Now, he's at the point in his career where he can go on vacation and still do business, partly because of technology. I, I used to tell my dad all the time, like, I can do business on my iPhone from the couch while watching TV. I can send emails, make calls. You have no clue where I am at. I mean, hell, I, I do a, my business now runs out of a home office. Everything is dependent on the internet and Wi-Fi. But I was just, Be- Belichick didn't take last week off. He was just not in his office. Why? He was already prepared. They had numbers set. He knew exa- He is so far ahead of the game. Like Belichick, I'm telling you, this book on Bill Belichick, Ian O'Connor's book, I think it's just called Belichick. I'm, I'm listening to it. It's just fascinating how, how brilliant the guy is. And again, I was tweeting out the pictures, making fun of him on here. But Phil Savage once described Bill Belichick, and he worked for Bill Belichick in Cleveland. He said, there's a football treadmill, and it starts the first day of training camp. And it goes up until OTA's end. So basically about 10 months, and Belichick never breaks stride for those 10 months. Majority of humans fall off. Even Phil was like, it'll wear any human out. He doesn't break stride. His ability to understand the league, know the league, be the smartest guy in the league. Like, he was calling Drew Rosenhaus because he would have taken Trent Brown back, just for the right price. Once they got to that number, he was never going to match it. But if he could have got him, you know, for $20 million guaranteed, maybe Trent Brown's still on the Patriots. But I, I think we all, and I'm included, just thought Belichick and Cougar Lindo were swimming in who knows where Barbados. Belichick running around half naked, doing flying squirrels off the dock. Like, Belichick doesn't even give a shit. No, he's... He was up at 4.30, you know, calling Drew Rosenhaus, checking in with agents. I'm sure checking in with the home base. They know what they're doing. Six Super Bowls later, he actually won two. And part of this book, and it was you saw this if you watched the 30 for 30 with him and Parcells. Like, Parcells was not the scheme guy. Parcells was the leader. Belichick was the scheme guy. Belichick was the guy that slowed down the West Coast offense. Belichick was the genius. Over time, he's developed some of the Parcellsian kind of attitude, uh, they go about it a little differently, but Belichick's the total package. And I, I think it shows you, if you're going to be good at anything in life, you have to be consumed by it. And I know, have you ever been on vacation with a girlfriend or even your family? They're like, hey, can you just turn off your work? Can you just separate? Just leave the phone at home. Well, no, I can't. I got a big boy job. People depend on me. I think about my job a lot. It consumes me. Now, it's not the healthiest way to live. But find me the best person in any profession. They're thinking about their job 24-7, 365 in some form or fashion. And I, I made the mistake of thinking that he was just, again, swimming laps with his hot girlfriend. And it turns out that was not the case. He was doing that, but also while he's making phone calls, checking in probably on every free agent he was interested in. He was working the whole time. He just knew he didn't have to be in the office. He'd go on vacation. And you know what? You win your sixth Super Bowl. You get to go on vacation. But like anyone that's the best at what they do, even when you're on vacation, you're working. And you're actually probably working more than even you'd like to on vacation. But that's the point in time he's at in his career. 
He's so good he can go to Barbados during free agency while still keeping in touch and still be, what would you say, the heavy favorite to win the Super Bowl in in 2019-20? They'd be my pick right now. They got seven picks in the top 90. They got their starting left tackle coming back off injury. They still got TB12, and they still got Bill Belichick. Okay, let's get into the Middlecoff mailbag. You know the great thing about report, uh, doing a podcast is I actually just went to dinner. <laughs> now, now I'm back, but it's all one podcast. It's like I never even left. You know, if this was a live show, I wouldn't have been able to do what I just did. But I've been gone for an hour, and if I didn't tell you, no one would ever know. So let's talk about Middlecoff mailbag questions. Do it every week. Slide up in those DMs, and I will answer the questions from Instagram. At John Middlecoff, which is my name, is my handle. Okay, here's the question. I've been getting a lot of Colts questions. Uh, I was going back and forth with Trevor here, and kind of the crux of everything is, I really appreciate you answering the question. Okay, I get the franchise tag issues with some of the guys they've had gone after. But with the quarterback in place, he's talking about the Colts, no need for leverage, and marquee wide receivers and pass rushers gone, where the fuck are the Colts going to spend all their $70 million in cap space? And I, I responded, I just said they ain't. They're just going to roll it over, and they're poised to make a big trade. And he just says, that's what I'm thinking too. Ballard knows the opportunity, plus I got four picks in the top 90. Bet they trade for defense. Uh, prime draft slots for guys like Debo, Sandal, uh, Debo, Miles Sanders, Ridley, Akeem Butler. How would the approach... How would you approach it if you were Ballard? Just because you have money does not mean you need to spend it. Like the Colts, I have no issue with the 49ers signing D Ford, but I would have had issue if they would have given that same contract to Trey Flowers. Like if you're going to spend money, you have to do it intelligently. You also, like keeping cap space, and the, and the Colts are on a different level than the Niners, but it keeps you in position to do deals. Like look at the Browns. If they just would have wasted cap space over the last, hell, even before free agency on just other players, even last year, they wouldn't have been in the position to sign, to trade for Odell Beckham. Like, when you have cap space, if you're the Colts, you can go trade for a Patrick Peterson. You can go trade for, I'm just, this guy's not on the trade block, but like a Luke Keekley. You can just trade for whoever. Like, just spending the money to spend the money in free agency in any sport is dumb. Now, if you can get a Kevin Durant, if you can get, you know, uh, Odell Beckham, he wasn't even a free agent. But you know what I'm saying. Reggie White's the Peyton Manning's. Yeah. But I'm not paying Trent Brown top tackle money. That's just dumb money. Because having space is a valuable commodity. You can just roll it over every year. And I also think if you're a Colts fan, it's not like Ballard, who did they not sign that they should have signed, is my question. The other thing is, as a general manager, if your coach doesn't like a player, like let's say you are a Colts fan, and you go, we need corners. I'm sure there weren't even that many corners. But let's just say you need safeties. Now they drafted the safety from LSU a couple years ago. But, or from LSU, they, they drafted Jamal. Jamal Adams is on the Colts. Now I'm getting my safeties mixed up. They have a safety. Oh, they had drafted Hooker. They drafted Hooker from Ohio State. But... Let's just say they need a safety. Let's say the coaches don't like LaMarcus Joyner, the Honey Badger, or Earl Thomas. And given what you have to pay those guys, it's not crazy if you don't pay them. Because whenever you hear these coaches and GMs talk about being in sync 
and you know ha- having a direct line of communication, being on the same page. You can't force players on your coaching staff, and I'm just using these guys as random examples. But if your coach doesn't like them, and then you sign a guy to a big deal, that's usually where you get problems. Is because then when the high price guy underachieves, and I got news for you that the coach can kind of sabotage a player when you force him on it. So there's just they they have harmony in the building. They have a good thing going. They got a ton of picks, and I do think they are poised that. If a big-time player like Julio Jones or Patrick Peterson, if they're able to trade for a guy, they're in position to trade for a guy. I think Chris Ballard knows what he's doing. He clearly is a top-flight, top-four-five GM in the league. Uh, He's patient, and patience, as fans, it pisses us off. Sign him! Sign him! Sign him! Why didn't they sign the Honey Badger? Why didn't they sign Le'Veon Bell? You know, because maybe he didn't fit. Maybe the coach didn't want him. Maybe they think they got internal answers. I don't know, but I I, I, don't, I don't think just spending cap space is always smart. Like, I, I like the Raiders signing of Tyrell Williams and LaMarcus Joyner. I don't love the Trent Brown money. Like, that's pretty bold. Best guess, John, how will the Raiders address the Ed situation? Chances they make a run at Bosa? I think the biggest wild card in the NFL right now is Josh Rosen. Like, is Josh Rosen going to get traded the night of the draft? Because that's... If Kyler Murray's on the Cardinals, that's kind of feels like where we're headed, right? Josh Rosen is a draft day trade. If he's a draft day trade, let's assume Murray goes to the goes to the Cardinals. Then you would assume Bosa goes to the Niners. But I do think, let's say the Raiders loved Bosa. I do think the Ra- the 49ers would be open, okay, 2-4 to four and give us tw- 27. You got a deal right there. So if the if the Raiders wanted Bosa, they could trade up. They'd probably have to give one of their first round picks, and they could also just sit there and get either Josh Allen or Quinn and Williams, which I think would be the right move. I, I wouldn't give up one of those picks, I guess, unless you really really uh, liked Bosa. And you know, I talked to people in the league. I like Bosa. He looks like a really good player. His workout was solid. They just don't quite think he's his brother. He's clearly going to go really high. And I also think this is the time of year where you can overanalyze a player. It's clear the guy's good. If his medical checks out, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a really good player if he's healthy. Now you just have to balance it if you're the Niners, the Jets, and the Raiders. Who do you like more? You know, how would you stack Bosa, Williams, and Allen? And I think certain scouts and certain front offices will kind of have them stacked differently. Hell, there may be a player outside of that group, whether it's Ned Oliver, whether it's a Sweat, uh, the Simmons kid from Mississippi State tore his ACL, so he, he's not going in the first round. But you, it's really the, the top 10 this year because of all the uh, Gary, all the good defensive linemen, all the good defensive line prospects, throw in Devin White there too. Like you're really good, and they all tested well, and they all seem to be good character, high level guys. It's just pure football. Like, how do you rank these guys? You know, it's easy to be like, you know, I don't like Josh Rosen as much, the personality. Lamar Jackson can't throw. It, it was easier to stack it. I would say every most teams had the top two quarterbacks in some order. Baker, Sam, Sam, Baker. Like, who are the best defensive linemen? I, I think you're going to see a lot of differentiating opinions as we get closer to the draft on this. Is it time? Is it time to change the number of players allowed on active rosters? Highly special, specialized niche game talk. Niche players make the game much more fun to watch. But high-performance players are often injured. 
and few injuries will derail a season. These guys train so hard and have such short careers, it's ridiculous that a couple of injured teammates could ruin a season. Instead of making a whole new league of busted up players, why can't we just have more flexibility with Pup? I, I, I know where you're going. I want to see sumo wrestler lead blocker for a high jumper in a goal line situation. Am I alone on this one? We can have fewer lame duck seasons and foster creativity with offensive minds. I think you might have jumped the shark a little bit, but let's just talk in realistic terms. The The active game day roster right now is 45. Yet you dress 53 players, right? Yet, you know, you got eight guys down on game day that we all see it when we turn on the... Like an NFL sideline, if you watch college football on Saturday, and each sideline is just jam-packed, like 100 players, coaches everywhere, you can't even move. And then you turn on an NFL game, you're like, God damn, there's a lot of room. Because there is. There's only 50 football players and only 45 have pads on. And then half the coaching staffs is upstairs. So I, I think you see, yeah, th- there's definitely a need for change there. And I would imagine the next CBA, there, there is a change. Because right now the situation just doesn't make that much sense. Why do you have guys on your roster but they can't be active on game day? It, it, it just does not add up. I, I completely agree. I think it's stupid. Now, sumo wrestlers or whatever is not necessarily needed. But I, I, I see what you're saying. They, they need more people active on game day. Middlecoff. After seeing Dave Gettleman's comments today on Eli can still play and played well toward the end of last year, this has to be a smokescreen just so Haskins can fall to them and maybe trade up for Murray. He can't honestly believe that. Or do you feel that's honestly how he thinks and just sounds so crazy to think someone feels that way but then again, it's Dave. I suck at my job. Get him and keep up the content. Yeah, I, if for those of you who didn't miss, I, I don't know where he said this uh, on a local radio show that basically Odell, like they felt good about trading Odell. They thought Eli was good down the stretch. Again, the Giants and Dave Gettleman think Eli is still a really good player. I think he stinks. I, I think Dave Gettleman is just, you know, might be losing his mind. Uh, I, I'm okay with trading Odell. You just have to get more back than the 17th pick and Jabril Peppers. Like, that's just not enough. To me, you got to get at least like a one and a two. Anything else is just fluff. Uh, his comments about Eli, I, I just think the Maras, I think he thinks his bosses believe that. I think his bosses love Eli Manning. So he knows, we've all been in the situation that if you're working for someone and they love something, you kind of go over the top on that subject just because that guy's going to like you more in that situation. It's not that crazy. Uh, I mean, the comment is crazy, but if you're going to give Dave Gettleman the benefit of the doubt that he's just saying that because he thinks his the owner will like it, then that's more understandable. If he truly believes that, he should be fired on the spot. For the podcast, for a team like the Colts with a massive amount of salary cap space going into the season, why not restructure a lot of players to front load their deals? This would put them at a significant salary cap advantage in 2020 and beyond. Because, I, I I mean, how many players on the Colts actually make big money? You know, I mean, beside Locke and T.Y. Hilton, who, who else makes cash? Hooker, all the rookies last year, the running backs, even Eric Ebron was on a no-money contract. Their team's pretty cheap. I, I don't think they're in cap hell moving forward. Because even Luck's deal, as we get years away from when he signed it, is is only going to look better. I, I, I think that... I hear what you're saying, but I don't think they need to do that. Is John going to draft Kyler Murray if Arizona passes? 
To me, if Arizona were to take Bosa and play with Rosen, I would imagine that the 49ers try to do a trade with the Raiders uh, for Kyler Murray. If John likes Kyler Murray. And that's the hard part about this time of year. Who likes who? It's, it's hard to know. It's hard to know who to believe. The, the longer Josh Rosen stays on the Cardinals, I feel less confident in my theory that he's going to go one. And it's not really my theory. Hell, everyone thinks that. Is right. Just because there is the curveball that they might keep Rosen. Well, what if... What if John Gruden, Antonio Brown just flew into the to Oakland, had a press conference, stayed with and hung out with Derek. They threw multiple times in the East Bay. Then Derek had a party for his son, his like two year old son at at Fresno State in the football stadium, and they just got a bunch of bounce houses. He invited Antonio Brown and his kids. So now, if John Gruden were to trade Derek on draft night, that that'd be pretty cold blooded. That that would be pretty cold blooded. So I, I, I don't know what to believe. I'm not going to be shocked with anything. If you tell me Kyler Murray's a Cardinal, Kyler Murray's a Raider, uh, I'm open to any potential. Uh, n- nothing would shock me. But I don't feel confident necessarily about one individual thing happening. Honestly, I just don't know. I just I just do not know. Okay, let's get some mailbag questions. Uh, I was wondering if you think that Nick Foles' contract helps or hurts Dak position when negotiating the new deal with the Cowboys. I know most Cowboy fans, including myself, would love to see him sign about $22 million average per contract. Well, let's see. How many playoff wins does Dak have? He won a game this year, right? They won the first round uh, against Seattle. They played Seattle? Yeah, they played Seattle, right? Yeah. He didn't win two years ago when he was a rookie, so he's got one playoff win. Foles has four. Now, Dak has better seasons. Like, Dak's had good seasons. Foles just had higher moments. Foles signed for $55 million guaranteed. I think I think that was the number. Maybe it was 50. And I think whatever the total number was. But as we all know, the total number is kind of BS. To me, it's not about the average. It's what you have to guarantee Dak. If, if I could sign Dak today for the Nick Foles guaranteed money, I'd do that in a heartbeat. But does Dak want, like, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr type guaranteed? Which theirs was, like, 70? I don't feel quite as good. And I'm not saying that... You, you just see when the guy doesn't play as well, like Derek's contract. Derek signs for $70 million guaranteed. And then he starts playing it out. You're like, ugh, don't quite love this. But if he's good, you feel good. It's just... I, I'm with you. I don't know if it helps or hurts because I don't know if their careers really parallel each other. I think Dallas and Jerry Jones would drive the contract negotiator to Dak's house right now. If they would sign that contract. I just don't think that Dak would sign that contract. Though, I think that's probably what he's worth. But, you know, in sports as in life, you don't always sign for what you're worth. Uh, I'm listening to your rant on Le'Veon Bell's holdout, sacrificing $14.5 million, And for the most part, I agree. However, if he suffers a f- severe to career-ending injury this first year, and we assume that this could have happened during the franchise tag year... Would he not end up with $11 million more? I believe your argument with Jimmy G's ACL, you stated that an injury can just be bound to happen regardless. Uh, Here's my thing, though. What about all the players that just went into free agency? Trent Brown, Trey Flowers, just the countless players in free agency that have signed. Golden Tates, uh, LaMarcus, uh, LaMarcus, not LaMarcus, DeMarcus Lawrence. Called them LaMarcus. I'm, I was watching the Warriors game earlier. LaMarcus Aldridge. DeMarcus Lawrence. Frank Clark. All these guys. They were heading into their free agents year. All of them. They played. I guess football's risky. 
So, yeah, I mean, if he shatters his ankle or whatever, or tears his ACL, it might, might have been bound to happen. But couldn't that be said for every player that's heading into their contract year? Why, why does anyone play? Ser- I'm being kind of serious here. Because I think we've kind of jumped the shark. Because I feel no sympathy for a guy that had $14.5 million. And again, how often do career-ending injuries happen? Like once every other year to a player? I mean, Ryan Shazier had the neck injury. Alex Smith had the foot. So we've had like two in the last two years. Like one a year. The chance that can be Le'Veon Bell? Now again, there's always a chance. But why'd Frank Clark play this season? Why'd Demarcus Lawrence play this season? Why'd D. Ford play this season? Why does any free agent play this season? Those guys were making a lot less than he was making. Uh... Sometimes, like, I'll open a DM and it'll be some some porno uh, mass email. And it's just, you just got to decline it. Question, what's going on with Ed Oliver's stock? The beginning of the season, he was rumored to be a top five pick. And I just see him slipping in mock drafts recently. Was his junior season that disappointing? I'll be honest, I didn't watch him that much this season. But you talk to people in the NFL, they still like him a lot. Uh, I think if his medical checked out of the combine, he's going to end up going in the top 10. I, I think the one knock is, and you saw this with Aaron Donald, who was a better prospect, when you're short at defensive tackle, it just makes teams uneasy. Like, they, they want their defensive tackle. And again, this doesn't mean the guy's going to be good to be Rashawn Gary, six foot five, To be even Quinnen Williams, I think he's, what, six two and a half. Like Fletcher Cox, that's what they want him to look at. Like, what's what's Ed Oliver? Six, a shade over six one. I mean, Aaron Donald is too, and he kicks ass and takes names. But when you are short at defensive tackle, it just can make teams uneasy when they have to draft you in the top seven or eight. So if he ends up going like 11 or 12, it's not that nuts. Remember last year, Mika Fitzpatrick, who I thought was a top five player, ends up going 12. I mean, good players, just because you don't go in the top 10 doesn't mean you weren't a top 10 player. It, ha- it happens every year. So I think when the dust settles and... You know, regardless where he goes, and it kind of does feel like he'll end up going probably 9, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. When, like you said, he was projected as a top five pick. We might look back at the draft in years to go, God, best player was Ed Oliver. He was drafted 11. Look at Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald's draft. They weren't. They didn't go one. Khalil went five. But where did Aaron Donald go? Like 12 or 13? Maybe he went 11 and I think Odell went 13. I mean, great players go all the time in the teens. I say this all the time. Like, if you tweet out so-and-so, I think the guy would be a really good second-round pick. People are like, hater! Like, going in the second round does not mean you suck. This is not the NBA. There's seven rounds. If you go in the second round, I can name like 10 players off the top of my head that went in the second round that are pretty damn good and making a lot of money. Shady McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, I mean, there were some all pros last year. Darius Leonard, Devontae Adams. Go, going in the second round is not some, like, you just suck for perpetuity. A lot of good players go. Drew Brees went in the second round. A lot of good players go in the second round. And the third round. Like, going on the second day, a lot of good players go the second day. The only 32 guys can go in round one. Unless Belichick gets in trouble for something and they take away his pick. 32 players. So if you're the 37th player, go. I mean, Zach Ertz, my last year in Philly. How did he turn out? He, was, he went in the second round. You can be an elite player and go in the second round. Just for whatever reason, like you're going to see this year, there's going to be a lot of defensive players going. There's going to be a couple quarterbacks that are going to push players down. There are going to be a lot of good wide receivers this year's class that are going to go in the second round. 
Just because you go in the second round does not mean Le'Veon Bell went in the second round. Like to me, the second round means the draft that you are thought highly of in the draft. Like if you go fifth, sixth, seventh round, yeah, you're not thought that highly of. You go in the second round, some teams might have thought you were a first rounder. That's a little pet peeve of mine. But appreciate everyone listening. Three and Out podcast. Uh, have a good night. March Madness right around the corner. I think when I'll record this later this week, we'll have some March Madness games on. Favorite time of year. And uh, hopefully some fun shit happens this week in the NFL that I can talk about. Uh, again, appreciate everyone listening. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Keep subscribing. Unsubscribe and then subscribe again. And just keep listening. Have a good day. May the peace be with you. Godspeed. Adios. Till later this week. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.